the goal for boundaries is for more closeness. If you're setting boundaries and it's not bringing you closer to your partner, there's a pretty big chance that that's actually a wall. This episode for me could not come at a better time. I found myself recently in a situation where my boundaries were violated a few times, not only by another person, but actually by myself. As in, I wasn't respecting my own boundaries. And that can be really common when you're not that gifted when it comes to boundaries. And I always thought I was pretty good at boundaries, but I'm actually realizing that I've been pretty good at putting up walls in some of my past relationships and that my way of setting boundaries can be actually really limiting and rigid, which is not very fun for other people. So I'm I'm grateful for Sylvie Kukasian that I met on Instagram. By the way, I'm meeting a lot of people on Instagram. <laughs> it is my platform of choice in in terms of finding guests and connecting with folks. And I've been really enjoying Sylvie's content. She posts a lot of content around boundaries and attachment styles and relationships and what it takes to make them work. And she's a therapist. She's a relationship coach living in L.A., and today we're talking all about boundaries. Sylvie has a awesome boundaries program that I was lucky enough to get access to and to go through. We talk a bit about the boundaries program, but we talk a lot about how partners can learn to speak about their boundaries, the importance of finding your own boundaries and then honoring them. We talk about the four different types of boundaries, which I didn't know there were that many. There are actually more than four, but we talk about the main four what to do when you feel uncomfortable about your partner's boundaries, how to repair after your partner has violated your boundary. Oh my God. Okay. What can I say? This is a very dense episode and it's a very important episode because having healthy boundaries, setting healthy boundaries, knowing how to respect them your own boundaries and other people's boundaries, and then what to do after a boundary has been violated is so incredibly important in forming healthy relationships. And I'm grateful for this conversation because I learned a lot about what it really means to set a boundary. That's it. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Oh, we're starting. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Hi, my name is Sylvie Kukasian. Um, I'm an associate psychotherapist and relationship coach. And I, there's so many different things I could say, but what I primarily really focus on is, um, you know, help singles and couples with their relationships, helping them to create boundaries, but also how to, you know, express themselves and, um, you know, show up for both themselves and their partner in relationships. And I'm a, I'm a Middle Eastern gal. I moved to the United States at four years old from Syria. So I also have a lot of unique cultural components in, in my own personal life, but that I like to bring into my work. Cool. Awesome. So maybe we can talk about we can start by by explaining like what is a boundary and why are they so important in relationships? 
that's a beautiful place to start and so important, right? Because a lot of us would have, what the hell is a boundary? You know, people all ask me, like, I don't even know where to start with holding a boundary. How do I know where my boundary is? What right? is a boundary? What the hell is a boundary? So a boundary is, it's, it's something that we create to protect our emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual, energetic space. And this can be languished very differently, but the, the essential component of it is we're protecting ourselves. And, you know, a common distinction I like to make, there's a huge difference between a boundary and a wall. A boundary is actually created so you can then feel safe to be more intimate and loving with the person. Whereas a wall is actually, I'm just putting up boundaries so I'm, I'm never going to let you get in so I could protect myself. So there's a healthy version of, you know, protecting our, our energetic space. And then there's a version that's actually very destructive and unhealthy for relationships and figuring out which is which again is part of, part of that journey. Yeah, it sounds like boundaries are what we can put in place in order for others to know what is a safe way of them interacting with us. And a wall sounds like something that we put up as a defense mechanism to to not allow people to get closer to us. Exactly. You nailed it, Sean. So one of them invites yeah. connection and a conversation and exploration around that boundary and why it's there and what it does and the other is just like no this is a this is a no zone do not enter let's think about it just really logically if i've been physically abused or if i was put in a situation as a child where i constantly had to be physically affectionate with family even family members as a young kid but i was a really sensitive child so like my body would close down because i i didn't feel comfortable right and so if my parents weren't tuned into that, my physical boundaries were constantly being violated. As an adult, I might be really sensitive to how people touch me. So if I go to my partner and say, honey, I, I just want to you know, share with you that for some reason, I've always felt uncomfortable with people touching me without, you know, asking for permission or without, you know, just kind of being sensitive to my state, you know, just kind of. So with you, I'd really love if you can approach me gently, if you can, if you notice I tense up, if you can, you know, just be really present with me. It's not about you. This is something that I'm working on that I've had to work through for a long time. Rather than don't touch me, make sure to ask me for permission before you touch me, you know? So there's a, there's such a different way, but we can only do that when we, when we own our boundaries, mm -hmm. when we make peace that we have them and we're not trying to override them or pretend like we don't have certain sensitivities to things then we get ourselves into in deeper trouble do you have do you have anything that comes up for you when i say that sean well i was just thinking of like what's a good way of identifying what are boundaries and then you said you know uh, being aware of sensitivities mm -hmm. right and that, and that seems like a good barometer for uh this is a sensation or a behavior that is triggering me in some way, and maybe there is an effective way to put a boundary around this. So that that's what that's what came up is like how to gauge what is and is not mm. a boundary sort of material. Yeah, and it's such a moment to moment thing, you know. I often say our boundaries will soften around people that respect them. 
if I have a boundary and I can feel like, okay, they're not forcing me to go beyond what I'm capable of. If they're, if, you know, I have a limit. If they're trying to push me beyond my limit, I'm going to feel more rigid, rigid around them. I'm going to start, start to put up stronger and firmer boundaries. But if they accept and embrace where I'm at, work with me in a loving way and not try to, again, this other person has to have a confident sense of self in order to do that. And, an awareness of their own boundaries. Because a lot of times people that struggle the most with honoring other people's boundaries are people that have not spent any time discovering their own. They tend to be a little bit more codependent. They tend to, you know, go based on what other people are doing. And it's it's harder for uh, for them to really understand what the hell it is. I'm curious how we can start gaining awareness around like what our boundaries are. So what I can actually go into, Sean, is talk about the four different boundaries yeah. and how to know if they were violated for you. So knowing if they were violated for you as a child usually helps us better gauge. It doesn't mean that our boundaries could be violated as adults too, but our framework tends to happen as kids. And knowing that they were violated helps us intellectually understand, ah, this is why when I'm in this kind of situation, I freeze. Or even though I feel uncomfortable, I can never actually say anything because I, I feel disoriented. Mm. So the first one that I already shared was the physical boundaries, which is the most obvious boundary. You know, if someone hits you, you're going to know, Sean, you're going to know if somebody you know, slaps you on the shoulder, or if someone tries to grab me inappropriately, it's obvious. I'm going to feel uncomfortable and I'm going to feel more entitled to standing up for myself, even though I still might freeze. But I know that morally that this has been, this has been, this has been a line that's been crossed. And culturally, we embrace physical boundaries. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm that's just across the world. Maybe not across the world, actually. I shouldn't say that because there are some places that get people, women that get stoned for God knows what, you know, so we won't go into that. But the other three that I found to be so life-changing, Sean, for me to, to realize, and the woman that wrote about these, her name is Roquel Lerner. I love, I always want to make sure to credit her work. So there's the emotional boundaries. Our emotional boundaries get violated as kids when our parents share secrets with us when we're really young kids that are inappropriate, that we should not be holding secrets as little children. Mm. When they make us a surrogate partner, let's say, you know, parents get divorced and now the child is the husband of the, of the, of the mom or the, the wife of the, the dad. I mean, they, they, they emotionally comfort the parent because of that void that is now present. Right. This happens a lot. Another way emotional boundaries get violated is when nobody in the house is willing to feel their feelings. And children are smart. They feel everything. Mm. So if mom and dad are not being honest about their emotions, the child is like a sponge, carries everything for the for the family. And there's usually, you know, sensitive it's, it's more sensitive kids that tend to do that. And so as adults, they tend to choose partners that are really shut down or extremely emotionally chaotic that ends up violating their boundaries in the same way that they were violated as kids. I assume also that children who don't who are with parents that don't uh process their emotions in a healthy way, learn the same mechanisms, which is to bottle it up and and not and not process those emotions, right? We we kind of learn from our Absolutely. role models. Absolutely. And minimizing, you know, minimize oh, it's not a big deal. Your feelings don't worry about it. Or overriding it. All those things end up 
we end up violating and honoring those parts of ourselves. Absolutely. And like you said, we'll find we'll find partners that either mirror that or mirror the opposite so that we can work on it. Exactly. So it's like one or the other. And we it can it can alternate depending on the stage of our life. If we've done a little bit more work, maybe we'll attract somebody that's more emotional because you know we're at, we've actually done work. And the way to, you know, to to reclaim the boundaries. Well, I'll get to the reclaiming after, but let me let me go through the other two just because sure. it might make a little bit more sense. So the other one is uh, intellectual boundaries. So this was the one, Sean, that was the most life changing for me. That when I when I realize what happens when somebody violates our intellectual boundaries, because I never thought about it in this way. So let's say you're you're you know you're a kid at home. You have a father or a mother that comes home drunk five nights a week, sleeping on the couch. Nobody's talking about it. Mm. Nobody's talking about what's obviously going on. Nobody's trying to help us make sense of our reality. That child's intellectual boundaries get violated because they cannot make sense of what's happening. They see what's happening, but nobody's helping them, like you said, process it. You know, you said it exactly. That processing component, both emotionally and intellectually, without our parents doing that, we don't get to build that skill in t- inside of ourselves. So we kind of just feel like a like a robot, like stuck. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know? Mm. Well, because we don't get relationship education in school. Which is such a shame. We don't get yeah. emotional processing 101, which is madness, actually. I know. It really is. Can you imagine just learning these things in like high, even just high school or middle school? Whew. Yeah. I think it would be great. That would be amazing. So intellectual intellectual boundaries. Yes. Min- a lot of minimizing. Or let's say you have a parent that's a, a hardcore Republican or a hardcore Democrat. And everyone in the family has to have the same thoughts and beliefs as the, the father or the mother because they are the head of the house. Nobody's really allowed to have strong opinions that are different than the, the head of the house. So then a child is not allowed to have their val- their reality validated. Mm. And as adults, you know, these are people that tend to give their power away. You know, if they, you know, if it's time for them to make a choice about something, they'll, you know, they're people that tend to find gurus and people that are coaches, but not boundary coaches that end up telling them what to do instead of actually helping to guide them to come up with the decision that's ultimately going to be best for them. So it, it takes away their ability to decipher and integrate that sense of self with their with their intellect. You know what I mean? I mean, I I often struggle with making decisions. Mm. I all, yeah. I often fear making the wrong decision. Yeah. And I also came from uh, the school of it's my way or the highway. Ah, growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to put a lot of things together. Mm. The more I work with my therapist and the more I do these mm. these interviews. Wow. Yeah. It's just so helpful to know where where we have room to look at these parts, you know, without judging ourselves, without shaming ourselves, without putting ourselves down. You know, one of the boundaries I violated the most for my partner was this one. You know, I was I would constantly violate his intellectual boundaries in the beginning. I would make assumptions about his experience that was not true. When I would be triggered, I would add all these stories to things. And instead of just saying I felt sad, I would say, and you, 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 I would, you know, I would do this thing. And then one day he came to me, he's like, Sylvie, 
I feel very disoriented when you do this. And I was essentially violating his intellectual boundaries. Had I not listened to that and I just kept going and bulldozing and not taking time to reflect, because that's not my boundary. You know, that's not mine. Mm -hmm. Mine is more emotional. So if someone doesn't validate my feelings, I'm like, no, 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 this isn't going to work for me, you know? But it's so important that we look at where our partner or friends or whoever we're close with, where they might have had that struggle and help them with it. You know, now that you told me that you've had your intellectual, you know, boundaries possibly violated, I would be mindful with you, Sean, and know that, you know, it's really important for me to not give you unsolicited feedback or try to tell you how to do something. You know what I mean? Because that would probably be really triggering for you. It is one of the, <laughs> that is one of my like least favorite things in the world is unsolicited <laughs> feedback. I, I mean I, I hate it too. <laughs> I call it a form it's a form of verbal abuse. It, exactly. For me. For somebody else, that might not be a big deal because that wasn't something that was tricked, that didn't come up for them growing up. But for you, it's important. And it's important for me, if I was your partner, to be really sensitive about that. So I'm going to probably still do it on accident, but I can catch myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, shit, Sean, I totally did that thing. I know it's so triggering for you. And I'm so sorry. I'm, I know that this is a really big pain point for you. I'm going to work on doing this better, doing a better job of, of communicating with you, you know? <laughs> I mean, that sounds incredible. I think everybody yeah. wished that they had a partner that can communicate that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news is we don't we all we have to do is do a good job of the repair. We can we can do a shitty job the first time around, but as long as we come back to our partner and recognize where we violated them and own it. So we don't have to do it perfectly the first time because that's exhausting, you know? Well, it's also impossible. Because we, it's impossible. we don't know the experiences that our partners have. We don't know what their triggers are. We don't know what their emotional responses are and how they deal with that stuff. And so that's the work, yeah. right? Every time there's a Absolutely. conflict, you come back and you repair. And, you know, you just sharing that, you know, in the same way that if I tell somebody, you know, I'm really sensitive to not feeling my, having my emotional emotions validated. If somebody doesn't care, because you know, that's a vulnerability, just like what you just shared, Sean, you letting me know I, I don't like fear. Like if I keep doing that, you're not going to feel safe around me. Right. You're going to be, you're going to get more and more rigid and start to shut down and pull away. And if we don't, that's why if we don't have the education around what the boundaries are, it's really easy to leave a relationship and still know, not know what the hell happened. Mm. Like, why are we broken up? Yeah. Well, did I communicate what my boundaries were? And was I received in a way that my vulnerability was heard? And if it wasn't, did I stand up for myself? And again, it's so it's it's both sided. You know, both partners have to be willing to show show it and you know put our vulnerability out on the sleeve and own it. And the other partner partner's responsibility is to handle that with with care and consideration. Yeah, and in your boundary program, which is incredible, by the way, and really, really dense and has a lot of phenomenal material, there's mm -hmm. a lot of really beautiful scripts on mm -hmm. how to talk about boundaries, how to receive boundaries, how to talk about them after they've been violated, how to talk about them with like a, like a repeat violator, right? Like a partner who just like consistently crosses your boundaries and the language is really beautiful and a lot of it is is couched in sort of like this is what i need to feel safe i don't want to tell you what to do but if you continue to do this behavior which makes me feel unsafe i'm gonna have to leave yeah it gives us so much freedom right oh it's beautiful 
Yeah. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. It's beautiful to to be able to stand up for oneself and say, I don't want to control you, but these behaviors affect me in this way. And in order for me to stay safe, I might have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It gives it gives the other person the power to to really choose if they're if they're willing to show up, and I think that's the distinction is when we actually own it and let the person choose for themselves. That's the most vulnerable place to stand because we have no idea how we're going to be responded to if we're blaming or criticizing. We're still kind of stuck in that chaotic friction conflict. We're still not being vulnerable, so we're not really putting ourselves really out there, you know. And so well, we're never going to know how we're going to be met until we, we do it that way. And especially for men, you know, that's one of the biggest thing to be, to not want to feel controlled and to not want to feel like they're being told what to do. I find that, of course, women have the, have it as well, but I find with men, it's even, it's much more sensitive because freedom is that value, you know, for the masculine, for, for most men. Um, but I want to go into the fourth one, the fourth and the fourth and the last one that I work with, uh, Sean, which is the which is the spiritual boundary that can get violated. And there's two, there's two parts to this one. Um, you know, kids that have they grow up with a fear of God, like parents using God or spirituality as punishment. If you don't do your homework, you know, God is gonna do this, or you know, just constant use of fear tactics to control the behaviors of their child. Kids, of course, are going to grow up terrified. So not only do they feel terror, they feel shame. They feel paralyzed in a lot of ways. And people that, you know, they may have journeyed on a spiritual path may choose not to because of the way that it was, uh, you know, instilled on them. They don't get to be guided in a journey where, they get to really question it for themselves. You know, this is a lot of times when parents, okay, this is this is church. We're going every set, you know, every Sunday, or this is mosque, or this is temple. It's again, it's not talk. They're not talked to. They're just almost expected to have the same faith because they're the children. Our spiritual boundaries can also get violated when our parents are really high and mighty. They don't show any vulnerability or they don't express making mistakes or that tender side. So kids grow up fearing their parents and just not feeling like they can make mistakes. They don't feel like they can go to their parents for those kind of things. Because they're expected to know everything. Exactly. And any unknown or feeling of like, you know, not have not being able to make decisions about certain things can be terrifying as an adult. It, it becomes much harder when we don't have that that parent modeling their almost um, discomfort with certain things for that happen for them as parents. I've learned that the older I get, the less I know. Mm. And I yes. I would like to be able to communicate that to my children someday. It's so powerful. I mean, why are we so afraid of not knowing? I mean, it is very vulnerable, but we have to be able to to say that. I feel like it gives us such a freedom in all of our relationships and just with ourselves, you know? Like, yes, we have information, but we have no idea how things are going to turn out, no matter how much we try to uh, control things. Can't control the future. We really can't. I can we can guide it. We can do our best to guide it. You know, we can plan. <laughs> we can plan for it. We can hope for it. We can't control it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last piece I want to say about the spiritual boundaries is the part that really irks me the most because I have personal experience with this: is working with a coach or a spiritual person that violates your boundaries. This is something that is happening so 
much. I experienced it with my own partner in the beginning of our relationship when we worked with a coach. And if you're working with somebody, basically, if you're listening to this, if you're working with somebody that is trying to bypass your reality, your logic, your emotions, your experience, they are violating your spiritual boundaries for the sake of, you know, by, you know, that's your ego, or you need to override this so you can be more enlightened, or you know what I mean? So using affirmations or spiritual mumbo-gumbo language to make you not be able to be in your humanness, which is very messy and needs to be messy. I would like to add on to this note, which I think Please. this is an incredibly important topic that you've brought up. I'm now going through a coaching program at Concordia University in Montreal. And what I know of this program is not what I know a lot of people are doing in coaching. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are telling people what to do, right? And so they're bypassing their client's agenda in order to fulfill their agenda. And yes. if you do a session with me, like there is no advice giving. My job is to guide the conversation and the client has all the answers. Absolutely. And we can brainstorm, we can come up with stuff together, you know, we can it's a partnership, but I will not be telling you what to do and 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 your agenda is what's important and we're going to move that agenda forward. And I think there's a lot of coaching which is just like I've got the answers, come see me and I'll tell you what to do. Mm. And I think that's you damaging. Said it, you said it perfectly. You said it it's not about, it's about my agenda, you know? It's about the coach's agenda, which is so the opposite of being able to heal the person in front of us. And I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Sean, because that's when you can feel, when you can feel that somebody is not really being present to what's happening for you and is, again, just trying to bypass you to, to see another point, here's another perspective here. So look at this. It's so shiny and you can be here. Yes, maybe they can be there, but they have to go through their journey to get there. We can't just you know, force someone to be, you know, past trauma or past things that would, that is the most damaging thing. And re, I, I, it re-traumatizes people. It literally shuts them down and they have to do the work all over again and in a much more guarded way. And they have to learn to trust again. Speaking of coaching, this past weekend, we were all assessed on our coaching ability for our coaching program at Concordia, and I'm pleased to announce that I passed with flying colors. So I'm stoked. I'm really, really stoked, and I'm grateful to be able to get to do this work and to join people on their path. And like we said, it's not about my agenda or what I think you should do. It's more about how can we get you to where you want to be in a way that makes sense for you? And my job is to guide the conversation and to pr- provide the framework and to support you in that journey. So that is what I do. And I want to let you know that if you are not where you want to be in your love life or in your ability to cultivate intimacy or to have the kind of sex life that you want, I invite you to reach out to me. We'll schedule a free short phone call to see if working together is a good fit for you. So if this makes sense for you, 
I invite you to contact me, Sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N. Or to find out more, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash coaching. We are talking to Sylvie Kukasian, who is a therapist, relationship coach, and we are going deep on boundaries. I just really, really, it's so important for me to talk about these boundaries because we're the only ones that can really protect ourselves, you know, and that's by educating ourselves and starting to get tuned into um, our bodies and paying attention to how people respond to our boundaries. Mm. If we're loving, if we're saying it in a loving way, and that's when we know, okay, this isn't really not about me, when we're clear that we're saying it in a vulnerable, kind way, if they're not responding well that is a really that's a big red flag Mm. and it's okay for them to feel rejected so this is the distinction i like to make it's okay for them to be to feel rejected because of course they might just have a visceral response you know if we're in the middle of having a sexual moment and we stop and they're at their peak and they feel whoo you know they feel rejected that's okay but at least for them to put the words and verbalize I so respect your boundary. I'm, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I have all these things coming up for me, but I want you to know I respect where you're at. And that is, that's the duality of taking care of both people and at the same time in a relationship that is often, is often missed. That's beautiful. It's beautiful language. And it sort of reminds me of this idea that if I don't respect my own boundaries, how can I expect you to? Yeah. I feel like a lot of the work starts with me respecting my own boundaries and knowing what they are and figuring out what they are and then asking for them to be respected. Hmm. I had a situation. Is there one? Yes. Oh, oh my God, is there? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is there one in particular, like from, maybe from watching the program that, that stood out for you, you know? Well, so just just recently, actually, I had someone, so this woman that I'm dating really needed to see me yesterday, really wanted to see me yesterday. And I hmm. said, hey, sweetie, Unfortunately, I'm busy during the day. I've got a whole bunch of prep for some podcasts. I have to get yesterday's episode out. And like I'm just not available. And we we started talking and it kind of turned into an argument that I'm not making space. And then finally I caved because it was easier to just get it out of the way now than it was to figure it out later. And I said, fine, come over. Let's get let's get this thing done. And we did. And then I talked to my therapist later and she was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, did mm-hmm. you notice that? You had set a boundary there that wasn't respected, and then you didn't didn't respect it as well. And I hadn't even seen it that way until like until I was sitting down on the couch and and started talking about it. And I was disappointed in myself. Yeah, we can be really we can get really angry at ourselves for not honoring our boundaries for sure, and we can feel that feeling of resentment and like anger towards other person. But like you said, we're like more angry with ourselves. Like, why didn't I just hold it? You know? Yeah, I was bummed at them for for like not respecting it, but then I was really bummed at myself for why didn't I just say, "Hey, sweetie, I'm really sorry. I can't meet today. We'll have to plan it some other time." 
Totally. What a powerful realization to have, though. You know, we have to have that to know how to do it differently. We have we have to go through that. We have to fumble with them. Like we have to kind of feel where we're overriding our own boundaries or where we might be horrible at somebody else's boundaries. Because I work with a lot of people that are on the other side of what you're saying, Sean. Like my partner has boundaries and I'm really uncomfortable with them. Why? Why am I so uncomfortable with that? Such a good question. Why are you so uncomfortable with them? Are you know? Did you never get to feel like you could stand up for yourself? And seeing someone stand up for themselves is hard for you because it reminds you of that part of you that didn't get honored. You know. So there's so many layers. But you know, one of the things that I find that my clients give me feedback on the most is is that they actually love the practical suggestions. Because a lot of times we know this stuff in theory, but like I have no idea what to say, Sylvie. I don't know what words to use. And it sounds elementary, but even for me, I'm like, this is so true. Like nobody actually gave us the verbiage. Like what the freaking hell do we tell someone when we're, we're trying to hold a boundary without making them feel like shit about themselves? And you know what you just shared just reminded me of that. It's like, how do I say, you know, this is not a good time, but then how do I comfort the other person so then I don't cave? Right, because uh, because she was upset and I could see the the conversation ratchet ratcheting up, you know, and then it then it was sort of, okay, now I'm caretaking because I'm not available for this this thing that that has to happen that will eventually happen and just didn't have to happen right then. It, it was just easier to cave than it than it was to sort of like it just got too complicated. Yeah. Do you think if you would have had language, it would have been would have been easier for you, like practical things to say? Oh yeah. If I had if I had the script, although you know one of the one of the you know, the asterisks on the script is this is a script and it it's beautiful when it works out, but when emotions are in the middle and people are either ratcheting up or ratcheting down, the script can kind of fly out the window. And it's so much harder on the phone too. So, you know, in person it's easier because we can we can help calm the person. So what I what I like to suggest whenever we set a boundary, and this is what we tend to we what we tend to do is okay. There's a couple of different ways. Number one, boundaries can come out really messy at first if we're not practiced at at holding them because there's so much energy and resentment and anger and feelings and emotions for having not stood up for ourselves for so long that it can come out really harsh and unkind and bleh. You know, for that, we have to learn to acknowledge that, you know, it's not just no is a full sentence, no is a full sentence. You know, the reality of it is you're going to have no friends if you go around telling that to the people that you actually care about. You know, let's be real. No, deal with it. Just look at me while I say no to you and deal with what you're going through. You know, we need we need softer language. We need to be humans about it. Absolutely. So apologizing for that, you know, like if you come out, hey, you know what, I'm I'm really new at boundaries. I'm still figuring out what they are. And sometimes I don't even know what they are, but I'm this is important for me. Um, I'm gonna I would love to practice with you, and I'd love for you to practice with me and for us to be a safe space for each other. So notice what I just did right here is I actually set a container for a healthy boundary conversation. So before we go into saying boundaries. I'm letting my partner know that I'm going to be bringing boundaries in our dynamic. So it primes, it primes them. It gets them prepared. Their nervous system is more ready when it actually comes up. And we can create some kind of agreement before we do it so they know what's coming. That's pretty awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I really, I mean, I like that. One of the things that I often say when um, 
before I have something difficult to say, which I imagine boundaries are often difficult to to bring up, mm. is, hey, I have something difficult to say. I might fuck this up. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Sean. But this is an important conversation and you're important to me and so it's worth having. Yeah. You you were vulnerable. You you got to model the vulnerability that like just even hearing you say that was like, oh, like it made me soften me because I'm just like it takes courage to say that. And it just makes the other person makes made me feel like I want to comfort you and even though what you're saying is gonna be hard. For you, maybe. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have totally. these conversations because we care about our partners and we want fulfilling, loving relationships with them. Absolutely. I'm, ass- Absolutely. I'm assuming. I would hope so. <laughs> I don't have a partner, but I'm assuming. <laughs> I would hope so. But, you know, there's, again, there's learning just to be able to acknowledge the messiness of where you are in things, I think is so is so validating for your partner. You know, even sometimes when I when I set a boundary, because I, I, I could tend to be on the extreme side sometimes, like sometimes it can be really rigid because when you're just discovering things or when you've come out of a traumatic situation, we can have really firm boundaries. And, you know, when we worked with a, with a, with a coach that was really violating, I, I came out of that feeling very self-protective. And so if I had to learn sometimes even with a close friend, even as I share a boundary, I'll, I'll let them know, you know, I don't know how long this I'm going to need this boundary to be here. I don't even know if I need this boundary, to be honest with you. But for right now, I feel like I, I need it. And um, just kind of letting them know that I'm struggling with it myself. Again, it's like kind of what you did. You, you're creating safety for the other person so you don't come off as such a rock and such like a, again, so invulnerable and un, unaccessible. That's the point of them. So we can be intimate and soft and loving with each other rather than just, I'm closing the door and I'm never letting you come in my room at eight o'clock and onward, you know? So the goal for boundaries is for more closeness. If you're setting boundaries and it's not bringing you closer to your partner, there's a pretty big chance that that's actually a wall. And if, especially if they're responding well to them. If they're responding well to them and you still feel a lot of distance, it's worth exploring if that if that boundary might need to be reorganized a little bit. Mm. So we, yeah. we talked about a container, which is a great first step in setting a safe space in order to talk about boundaries. What would actually setting a boundary look like with somebody? Great. So... Whereas I tend to violate my partner's intellectual boundaries, for me, one of the challenges for a lot of partners that I've been with is, again, the emotional boundaries. So if I feel like I'm sharing an upset, and again, like you, I'll say, I might, you know, screw this up, I might fuck this up, but I still know internally that I need my feelings to be validated. So I make sure to stand up for that. If it's not happening... I will, you know, after the fight has kind of gone on, like, you know, I noticed that, you know, I shared something really upsetting with you and I know I didn't do a good job. I I know I probably criticized you and I'm so sorry for that, but it's really important to me that my feelings are validated. And I used to drill it. You know, I used to kind of drill that home, like I need it to be validated now, you know, but I've learned to just say that boundary and let it go. Because again, it's for you still, your partner has to feel free to do this. You don't want them to feel forced. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave and then I'll observe, you know, is this person hearing me and coming to me and validating, you know what? 
I really totally get that I bypassed your feelings or I didn't really make space for them. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you could share it again with me and I want to be able to listen to you better. I got really defensive or I shut down. We, we, we're, that's how the repair is formed. But I have to be the one to stand up for that for myself. And if it doesn't happen, let's say that person didn't respond because this happens a lot. I'm taking mental note here because, again, this is really important to me. Just like for you, if somebody is giving you feedback after you just said, I don't want you to give me feedback, that's going to be a, a really big conflict of, of, you know, that just keeps showing up over and over again. So I'll, I'll make that mental note. And after a couple of times, it's still not happening. I'll bring it up again. Okay. You know, I noticed I brought up this thing that's really, really important for me. And when my feelings don't get validated, I really start to shut down in my body. My body literally starts to close off from you. I don't want that to happen. I really care about you. I care so much about our relationship. I felt really scared that that's happening, but it's important for me that you know how how real this is for me. And then again, you have to let it go. And if the person, after doing that a handful of times, because again, we're teaching our partners. This is not an overnight success, you guys. This takes time. You said it perfectly in the beginning. We have completely different lenses. If you're going to be with a partner, you have to make space for for that awkward growing stuff. And the thing that you want to pay attention to is, are they making any effort? Are they showing even a 10% willingness to do what we're asking? Even if it's not perfect, but are they trying? If it's nothing, that's a really big red flag. You probably need outside support. And I would encourage you to really make your boundaries a really important priority because the relationship won't survive. You know what I mean? If there's no attempt at meeting you, or if there's gaslighting or saying no this is this isn't actually happening this you know whatever you're just too sensitive then there's an issue but if there's a willingness to meet you not even halfway it sounds like you can meet him like a quarter of the way because over time that will add up and you'll feel safe Absolutely. And, you know, being able to acknowledge those little efforts, it's what is what is going to encourage our partner. Okay, it's different to set a boundary like, hey, I need you to stop while we're having sex. There's no 10% there. They need to stop, you know? That's a hundred. Yeah. It's a hundred. That's like, you know, again, I'm talking about more subtle boundaries that can be negotiated and worked through over time. One of the things you said earlier, well, that that you said many times is that you really need to have your, uh, like your feelings acknowledged, right? That's really important for you. And one of the things that I found really interesting that that uh, in the boundaries program that I experienced in my life, I, I had said something, I don't know if it was a boundary, but it was, it was, it was an emotionally important piece of information mm-hmm. that I, I said to this woman that I'm seeing, and I said, um, "What do you What do you think about that?" She goes, "Oh, I don't know what I think about it. I know how it makes me feel." Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, "Okay, that's the same thing, right? Like, what's your response?" And for mm-hmm. her, her response is in is in the body, and for me, my response is often. In my mind, because I fascinating how men wi- and women have a lot of the time that difference. It's wild. Yeah, it can it can really trip us up. Even when I ask my partner sometimes, I'm like, "Babe, how do you feel about that? Aren't you excited about that?" He's like, "I don't know," you know. And the, and and now I've learned to ask him, "Oh, 
what do you think about that? Right. I've had to train myself because I would never ask myself. I would never, that was not how I would approach me. But he feels so much more acknowledged and like I'm speaking his language. And I have to learn how to do that if I'm going to want him to feel connected. What do you think about that? What do you think about that, babe? How does that make you feel, sweetie? Oh, feels good. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this isn't a hard and fast rule for all men and all women. No, no. But definitely not. Often in the podcast, we, we're now starting to talk about e- energies, right? People with feminine energy, mm-hmm. people with masculine energy. And I'm a Virgo. I'm like, I'm always in my brain. And I know mm-hmm. women that are also like that, you know, that that are more, they'd rather know, they'd rather talk about what they're thinking rather than what they're feeling. Totally, totally. Or, you know, even when I, when I work with couples that are, you know, same sex, there's always one partner that is more, much more ma- self-identified masculine. I don't even bring that language in because I don't ever assume that, you know, one is either or, but they'll be like, yeah, I relate so much more to the thinking and the freedom. And, and it's so, it's, it's, it's just so fascinating how, you know, energetically we can, we attract somebody that, um, there's a higher thinker and a higher feeler. It's fascinating. Mm. I'm going to have to explore that within my own relationships. Yes. <laughs> so where should we go from here? I have so many notes and I haven't really been looking at them, but I'm just curious, like where, what, what makes sense to discuss taking into consideration everything that we've already discussed? Sure. I would say, I mean, the next step would be, we've talked a little bit about the importance of creating the container as you start to express the boundaries for people, is really learning to understand where you have your pain points, you know, because again, we can't know our boundaries until we validate those things for ourselves. We have to be able to say, ouch, that hurt me, or thinking about our past, reflecting on our past, you know, just based on this conversation, where were some of the things that I did that I, I did not feel like were were needs that I got met? And, I, you know, there was one thing that I actually forgot to mention was, um, so people that are physically violated tend to have need uh, boundaries, but there's also people that have been neglected, you know, kids that have not had any physical contact, which tend to be very greedy with their, greedy is not the best word, they tend to really seek a affection but in very unboundaried ways mm. because they're so they they're, they've been deprived of it for so long that they can crave love but they can be the ones that actually violate a lot of people's boundaries because of that oh because they're sort of grasping exactly and they don't the, they hear a no that doesn't really register Exactly. So it, because it can be so triggering to feel like they're being pushed away, they will cling on even more. So it's important if that resonates to, for us to be able to work on whew, still acknowledging the other person's boundary, but making sure to tend and to work on that, you know, to really find multiple sources for getting your needs met so you don't put all of that emotional burden on your partner. You know, this is something I talk about so much in my work. Our partner is not going to be capable of meeting all of our needs. We have to have other outlets and resources to to take care of ourselves. They have to be the primary person. They, they have to be the one that we go to for the, all the important stuff. And, you know, there's a necessary connection there. But we have to also make sure we're spreading 
spreading that energy in more than one place, multiple places. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been going to, uh, people are probably tired of hearing me say this, but I've been going to cuddle parties in order to like meet ah. my needs for touch and affection. Mm. And I haven't been going as much lately because I've met, I've met someone that like fills that. But for, for, for the kid who is unboundaried in his affection, when he grows up and he's old enough mm. to go to cuddle parties, that could be... Uh, you know, a, a safe space for him to get his needs met and to also what I really like about these types of events, they're also these mm. relationship and intimate intimacy games events where you learn how to ask for things and you also learn how to receive a no, which I mm. think we're just not that great at, you know, like no one likes to so hear great. no. Yeah. Nobody likes to hear a no and then we, we just leave it a no and we don't actually comfort the partner that feels rejected for hearing no. Right. It's like they're a human being, you know, like it's it's okay if somebody gets hurt when you say no and we we can still be loving towards them because we're honored the no. We're, we're holding the boundary first. Mm. I love that, you know, that, that you mentioned the cuddle parties and, you know, what I love about that is that we're acknowledging that we have needs. You know, we're acknowledging that there's physical needs, there's emotional needs, there's spiritual needs, there's all kinds of needs. And when we're not in a relationship, to have safe places to be able to tend to those needs rather than denying them and acting out and doing things that are going to end up being self-destructive or hurtful to other people. Mm. You know, just like a therapist. What is a therapist? A therapist is a person that Hold space for you and emotionally reg helps to regulate you so that you can you can develop that internal regulating system in yourself. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had a parent or somebody in your life that has been that safe presence, that's what a therapist is. Like we're a surrogate, caring, whole space holding presence. So it's like we're taking care of the emotional and intellectual component. And what you're describing is is that physical component, but it's structured. It's created in a way that people feel safe. And that's so important. Yeah, there's a container. It's amazing. There's a really safe that. container. What, what else do you guys do? So you guys have the intimacy games. There's intimacy games. There's cuddle parties. I mean, there's obviously cuddle plus plus parties, right? So there's sex yeah, parties sure. that I haven't been to one of those in a long time, but that's also another great way if if um of like meeting some of your needs for for that kind of for that kind of intimate touch. I do all sorts of different things. Like I do dance. Mm -hmm. I I play hockey, which is like uh, you know, gets my needs for like community aggressive sport out. Yes, the need for challenge for a man is so important. The, me <laughs> the need to score goals. Yes, um, like Solve dancing. Problems. Yeah, co contact <laughs> dancing. And there's there's all sorts of things that I do so that all of my needs are met. And I, you know, I have a therapist. I have friends that can hold space. You know, I can call and say, "Hey, I got to check in with something. Are you are you available?" And they'll say, "Yeah," you know. So Absolutely. I just can't rely on just one person to get all my needs met. It's suffocating to do that. It's suffocating for the person you're with and it's suffocating when somebody's doing that with us. And that's another boundary, you guys. This is another thing where if you are within a relationship with somebody that is expecting so much, everything is a boundary conversation. And, you know, we can exchange the word boundary with agreement, okay. you know, or container. So it doesn't feel so 
like a boundary because you know boundary can feel like all these walls and that's not the purpose of boundary boundary is just an agreement that creates the best possible uh energetic dynamic space for a relationship to really thrive for both partners and creating agreements you know if some if you have if, if you're with a partner that's maybe has mental illness or is emotionally dumping a lot of stuff on you it's okay to set limits and to 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 say hey honey i'm really feeling really tired i love i love that you come to me for this stuff but you know maybe you can also you know work with somebody else as you process all these things because it's a lot for me mm. oh my god how hard is that to say but how important is it to say that's pretty amazing yeah and some people can get offended but we have to hold the boundary well that's the fear the fear is that that they will leave yeah if we're honest about our needs people will leave yeah totally but that's not often the case actually yeah. Because it's kind of beautiful to be somebody to be with somebody that knows what they need and isn't afraid to ask for for those needs to mm. be met. So attractive to be with somebody that knows themselves and takes the time to communicate it clearly and with love. I mean, what else can we ask for, you know? That's I mean, that's a good one. And <laughs> I, and I imagine that takes a lot of work. I mean, there's, you know, we 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 need resources for this stuff. Yes, and believe me, I, I talk about this stuff all day, but I screw this up constantly. I apologize to my partner a minimum of four to five times a week. I'm constantly like, oh God, you know, like here's a shame coming up again because I, I just did a shitty job. But I have the language to come back up out of that. Whereas before I would get stuck in my shame and I would just kind of stay there. I'm like, oh, I guess it's time for me to leave this relationship now because I did a shitty job. Let me go pack up my bags. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not because of them, but because of me and my own shame of feeling like I, I have to do things perfect, you know? So it's been helpful just to have language to pull myself back out. Is there anything that comes to mind as in like a thing that you've had to apologize or a boundary violation that you asked? I think for me, it was mostly just my language I had to really work on because I would tend to blame a lot. Instead of getting clear on what was happening for me, I tend to focus out and blame. And I would, you know, blame something that he was doing when in reality, I couldn't get in touch with what was happening for myself. Mm. So that's about, that violates somebody. That doesn't feel good. That erodes trust. That makes them feel unsafe to be with you. And so I had to really see that, that I was doing that. But he was really good about telling me because a lot of partners or people don't say if someone's being criticizing or blaming, they don't even say anything. So when he would tell me, hey, you know, that you say some hurtful things sometimes when you're mad, Sylvie. And I had to hear that. Mm -hmm. I had to take it in and who breathe into that shaming feeling that I felt because, of course, I'm, that's the last thing I ever want to do. But when when he did that, I started to be more present and aware that when I would go into that space of blaming, I would I could pull myself out of there much more quickly and call myself out. Oh my God, I totally did that thing. I totally blamed you. I'm so sorry. I just want you to know that you didn't do anything wrong. This is totally my stuff. I'm still learning how to communicate with you. I suck, <laughs> you know. I'm but but I want you to know that I see what I'm doing and it's not okay. And I've gotten so much better at it. And now I can get to, you know, expressing what's happening for me much quicker. And this, this, for me, the having the scripts and the logical side, because I'm so much more emotional, like I'm very emotional, it can be reactive, it helps to ground me. Mm. You know, it's become, it makes it very practical and like, oh, 
I can pull from this and this, and it brings me back to feeling very centered and grounded. You know, you said that a lot of a lot of your sort of boundary violations around language and script, and there's this this idea or this thing that I, they, that I sort of know about now, which is sort of dismissive and content, contentious language. Mm. I just had this experience recently where this person that I was talking to said, "You always do this, mm. or you never do this." Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly maddening to hear because no one is 100% always fucking up or never doing a thing. Yeah, and absolutely. When I hear that, I just get defensive. I start bringing up all these times when I didn't do that thing. And now we're talking about something completely different. I mean, I'm having to defend myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things I like to say when somebody says things like, because I'm, I'm really good if someone approaches me with assumptions about me, I, I call it out right away. Hey, hey, I'll stop them right away. I'm like, hey, 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 <laughs> let me, can you please say that differently? Because I'm not going to be able to hear you. I just won't. Whoa. Please, I, I need you to say that differently. I'm here. I'm present with you. I, something's coming up, but I need you to say that differently. And if they don't, I can't. I just can't. Because I will shut down. I will shut off. And it will trigger me. So I totally get why that would be so triggering and maddening because it's like you feel completely helpless. Like there is no chance for me to defend myself in this. You've already made up your mind and put me in such a big box that there's no way to to come out of that. You know, were they able to apologize for that eventually? No. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That would be helpful if they if they were able to see it that that they did that they did that. You know? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Mm. Most people are not, are not willing to own their mistakes or own their slip ups in their communication. And I find that we think that we're going to look so bad and judged when we do that. But in reality, and this has taken me a long time to really see, is that people trust us and respect us so much more when we can just own our mistakes and our shitty attempts to do things. It's like, oh, wow, they're not perfect. I don't have to be perfect. It doesn't cost anything to apologize. Yeah. I figured that out a little ways, a little a little while ago. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't. I mean, totally. my ego might take a hit, but my ego can use it. Use it. Well, and, you know, some cultures, they're, it's like, it's so funny. There's even like a whole, there's a great book by... Um, Harriet Lerner on why won't you apologize? It's fantastic. It's a fantastic book. And she talks about all the reasons why people don't because their self-esteem is really, you know, in a really funky place. They don't have a solid sense of self. Their families shame them for making mistakes constantly, or they were forced to apologize for things that they did not even know what they were apologizing for as kids. So all those things combined, it's like you think it's we think it's easy. But then in the middle of it, all these things are coming up for us that we have to look at to be able to to really meet our partner. Because nobody wants to just hear, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. Well, <laughs> you <know>? that's not. <laughs> that's not a genuine That's apology. not going to fly with me. <laughs> How about, I'm so, sorry you feel that way. Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst. That's like, I'd rather you not say anything at all than say that to me. You said that. Why won't you apologize? You said Harriet Lerner? Yes. Also, was the other woman Raquel Lerner? 
Yes. Okay. I don't know if they're related. I don't know. But I I picked up on that too. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay. I just want to make sure I got them right. (laughs) You got it. You wrote on Instagram. So I'm quoting you on this. Hmm. Sure. (laughs) You can be exceptionally kind and ferociously boundaried too. Hmm. That is awesome. Thank you. We have to be. Nobody else is gonna nobody else is gonna stand up for us in the way that in the way that we are. You know? Brene Brown often talks about the most loving and compassionate people are the most boundaried. Right. They are. Because they have such a solid sense of self that they can then be so giving to people because they've carved that for them. They take care of that part of them first. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes a willingness to slow down from your busy week and, you know, journal and talk about your day and write it out and actually give yourself space to feel your feelings. So you know where boundaries may be required. If we're rushing through our week and filling every nook and cranny with something to do, we are not making any intentional space to get to know ourselves. That's what a lot of us do, especially here in the West where there's such a push for productivity and, you know, getting things done. And it's, it's just, it's, it's exhausting. It's like that model does not work for most people. Yeah, I'm moving away from the always being productive, always hustling to something that is a lot more manageable. Uh, like I've stopped using an alarm to get up. Mm, wonderful. Turns out I get up around the same time with with or without really? the alarm. Yeah, but there's less stress. What, what time do you get up? Uh, it's well, eight o'clock in the winters, which is really late. And now it's starting to get like 7, 15. And I assume wow. that in the summer, it'll be more like 6.30 or 6.15. So you're early bird. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I'm, I'm moving away from negative self-talk about mm-hmm. you know how productive I need to be in order to to be successful and working more in sort of a trying to be more gentle with myself and you know if it's if it's not happening it's not happening I'm not gonna mm. tell myself that I'm a loser I'm just gonna be like all right this is not this is not happening right now but maybe a walk around the block will will do mm. me well you know what can I do right now to take care of myself Absolutely. And so much of our creativity and our inspiration and our, you know, just our brain getting inspired happens when we're resting, when we're not doing anything. I mean, think about it. For most of us, when you're, at least this is how it happens for me. As soon as I'm ready to go to sleep, because I'm going into that really drowsy state, all my Instagram ideas will come up or my blog stuff. It always sparks when I'm in that restful state. But if we carved out time to make that more of a priority, we can, we can tend to, you know, even just journaling. Um, I'm reading Bernays book called Rising Strong, another fantastic book. I love books. I, I take them everywhere. Um, she talks about how even 20 minutes of journaling, I think four days a week, is life-changing for people Mm. to sit down and write about what they experience in the day, their thoughts, their feelings, and creating that intimate space. Journaling is the most, it's the number one um, 
intervention that I recommend to all my clients because it literally balances the right and the left brain and it connects them and has them communicate in such a powerful way that you integrate your experiences rather than just kind of getting, you know, you get triggered by something, you don't really deal with it or look at it, you just keep moving through the week and then the next week you get triggered by something else and now you have this these things stacked and then four months later your partner says, hey, can you open the cupboard and you explode? That's what happens when we don't take time to process our stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and when we uh, and when we fill our days with distraction and activities and projects and and there's no time to rest. Yes. You know, when you do sports, a lot of the growth happens in your rest. Hmm. And your body regenerates when you sleep and your mind and everything. So this seems like another positive of taking it taking it easy sometimes. Yes. Absolutely. Sleep is where we do a lot of repairs. Our dreams are also, you know, where we process a lot, our emotional, it's our emotional part of our brain. Um, when I work with clients, I often ask them, what have you been dreaming about? You know, I had a client that, you know, they, they, they process a lot of what's coming up for them. So, you know, as far as the boundaries, just paying attention to where you feel resentful, where you feel, um, like you cave, like you're not really holding those boundaries, you know, like similar to what you were sharing or where you're not good at honoring other people's boundaries and just journal. Even if that's, you know, from, from listening to this, I think people can really benefit from journaling what got triggered without trying to contain what comes out of you. Just write it out. What, what is being sparked through this conversation and let yourself free flow with that. Mm, that's a beautiful resource. Do you have any other suggestions before we move on to um, just a few final questions? Sure. Um, resources. So the journaling is, is my number one. If you are not in a relationship, so if you are or if you're not, find one person that you can have that container talk with, letting them know, hey, I'm gonna be, I really want to start practicing the boundaries. Um, I'd love to tr practice with you. I'd love for us to do this together. And if, again, if you're single, do this with a, a close friend that you already have safety with. This is not something you want to practice with people that you're just getting to know or that they've already kind of proven to not be safe for your vulnerability. That's essential. You know, you know, we want to practice with safe people. So having that container talk and then starting really small, you know, baby steps, start with something that maybe is not that big of a risk for you to say, you're not going to, you know, if you have a huge history of trauma, don't go there, you know, go to something small. Like I'd love to, I'm trying to think of an example on the spot. Um, one of the things that I know I, for me, I have to set a boundary on is like, if I meet someone new and they're, they're wanting to kind of go into work mode right away and, or maybe they're, they're sending me a lot of messages, but they're not really waiting for me to respond. I can get really triggered by, by that. Mm. It's my own stuff. Totally. And I'll let, you know, maybe letting them know something like, Hey, if you mind, if, if you would be okay with just waiting till I respond before sending me some other stuff, just so we can, so I can manage and regulate myself w with that experience and mm. starting with something small. So you feel like, you, you build your confidence with setting boundaries, you know, and you, you set yourself up to win. You set yourself up to, again, just small, small, small baby steps. And then I'm trying to think of another resource that's really helpful for boundaries um, is being gentle with yourself. If you don't do it perfectly, if you don't own it 
well if you don't express it kindly in the first try and maybe it comes out harshly. Just be prepared to apologize a lot during this process. Make space for repair as much as you can. That is just as important as the boundary itself. That is actually, uh, it doesn't matter how many times we have conflict with people. It's not the frequency that matters at all, actually. It's been studied by the Gottman Research Institute. It's how well we do the repair. So if you do a shitty job, just own it. Just go back to your partner and, or your, you know, your friend, whoever you're practicing with. Like, you know, I'm sorry I said it that way. Um, I'd love to try again and, and, and do it in a, in a more productive. And it's a, there's a learning curve with this stuff. Most people want to skip the learning curve, but there's not, it's not possible. This is the messy stage. You got to get through it. Yes. Yeah. To get the fruit, the fruit on the other end. The fruit on the tree. What is that? <laughs> you have a boundary program. Where can we find that? So the boundary program, I'll, I'll send you a link for that. It's $67. And uh, like you mentioned, it covers all different topics, how to set consequences if your partner's not meeting your boundaries, how to language um, boundaries when you're first dating, because that's something I tend to work with a lot of people. We're like, this is so new. How am I supposed to set boundaries with a guy or a girl that I just met. Well, actually you have to, you should. And I, I talk, I give scripts for all kinds of scenarios on how to do that. Um, so anyways, I'll send you the link for that. Cool. And also my Instagram page is where I, I constantly offer free support. I do live sessions um, and I post stuff on boundaries, stuff on attachment styles, which is another part of my work that I really specialize with and all kinds of free goodies. What is the Instagram page? I'll obviously link to it, but if people are listening right now, they just want to go there. Sure. So it would be Instagram.com slash Sylvie Kukasian, and it's spelled S-I-L-V-Y-K-H-O-U-C-A-S-I-A-N. <laughs> no problem. You got that, everybody? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just Kukasian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll obviously link to all of that in, in the show notes. Um is there anything that we didn't talk about that we would be doing a disservice not talking about? Or did we do a fairly good job of getting people some help with their boundaries? I think we did a pretty damn good job with talking about a good range of boundaries. Not only did we do a fairly good job, we did a damn good job. A damn good job. <laughs> I have one more question for you. Sure. And this is a bit of a curveball. I didn't tell you I would ask you this, but what Ooh. does what is love to you? Oh... What is love to me? Hmm. So love is being able to care for somebody else, even as you're struggling to understand what's happening for them. That's awesome. I'm going to write that down for myself, Sean. <laughs> write, it, write it for your Instagram. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and, and your dedication to this work and, and your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sean. And I'm so grateful for you inviting me on and being part of your amazing work. And I can't wait to listen to this. All right, my lovebirds, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Love Drive. Sylvie Kukasian can be found on Instagram at Sylvie Kukasian, and all the links 
of the resources and the boundaries program and how to find Sylvie. All that stuff lives in the show notes on your podcast app or on my website, thelovedrive.com. One more thing. I've been building this business for a few years now, but I'm not like the best entrepreneur. And I realize that. I mean, it's hard to make money giving free love advice. And one of my big focuses this year is growing this into a sustainable business because right now at this point, we can call the love drive a very expensive hobby because I have a lot of fees that are generated by just putting out a podcast every week. So if you want to support me and you're not interested in my coaching services, I have a newsletter. I'm not actively using it, but I'm building it because eventually I have big plans for the love drive this year and in future years that are going to include programs and eBooks and resources that can help you cultivate love and build intimacy. And if you're interested in supporting me and you want to get on this newsletter, the best way to do that is to go to thelovedrive.com forward slash newsletter or send me a DM. Tell, tell me you want to get on the newsletter and I will manually add you. Uh, there's also a link in my Instagram profile. That's it. If uh, you want to just continue listening to the podcast because the podcast will always be free forever and ever. I'm so glad that you have decided to spend this hour with me this week. Thank you so much. <music>